Hey everybody, welcome to the DNVR Draft Podcast. Kind of a unique pod here. Henry was able to join me, Andre Simone. I'm your host today, I should mention that. For the first segment where we got into lots of fun mock talk. And then, since I'm solo, I'm going to take the time on the second segment to really address your questions, do some prospect breakdowns that, you know, Hank would have just been bored about listening to any anyways. But before we start, want to remind you our presenting sponsor is illegal pete that's right denver's home of the best burritos tacos nachos and so much more illegal pete is now offering you our dnvr family an incredible deal if you guys are heading to any game any event stop by illegal pete's before or after you go the same day of your event show them your ticket and you'll get free draft beer or a free margarita which with a purchase of a full-size entree. That's an amazing deal. The beauty is Illegal Pete's has nine locations in Colorado, six in Denver, two in Boulder, one in Fort Collins. So just about any game or event you're at in the at-large Denver metro area, you're going to be able to find an Illegal Pete's close by and take advantage of this offer. No better podcast to tell you about this than our draft pod, which our great Rams, Buffs, and Broncos fans are able to listen to because we put that in all your feeds. So make sure that you swing by for some delicious grub before or after any game or event and grab your free beer or margarita with a purchase of a full-size entree. Let's get into the show. Welcome into the DNVR Draft Podcast. I'm Henry Chisholm. And oh, yeah. I'm here with Andre Simone, who just said that. Uh, he's got his so toothpick true. in, looking super Italian over there. Oh, is that right? <laughs> so Italian. Um, so I'm only uh, going to be here for like the first segment, maybe a little bit more than that, because I have to get up to Boulder. Um, then, then I'm going to leave all of you guys alone with Dre, and hopefully he isn't weird about that. I'll deliver a banger, as I always have on my solo pods. Perfect. Uh, but before I go, we want to talk about some mock drafts. Yeah. Dre, you want to tell us about what mock drafts we're talking about? I mean, I think the first one that came out since we last spoke, you and I and Mace, is this Todd McShay mock draft that came out. Yep. Top five, very similar to how uh, how Mace and I projected it. Mace also has a new mock on the site. We kind of went through some of that on the last pod, uh, but we'll revisit that. He has Jedrick Wills as the first offensive tackle taken. It's interesting. Very intriguing by the Chargers. Derek Brown, same as I have, uh, to the Panthers. Then Tristan Wirfs, then Javon Kinlaw, all the way in the top ten, and maybe just as big a senior bowl winner rounding out the top ten is Josh Jones, the offensive tackle from Houston going to the Cleveland Browns. McShay had this guy ranked in the 200s before the senior bowl in Mobile. Now he has him in the top ten, third offensive tackle taken. Is this a all of a sudden a top four group of tackles and not or a top five group of tackles and not a top four anymore? Maybe. Like like that's what's so weird about this time of year is how much these guys change. And we've been in on so many of the guys who've been rising. Oh and, yeah. And you know, Josh Jones was a guy that we talked a little bit about. Somebody who were like, Yeah, we second round, third round, somewhere in that range. Right. Not a bad pick. Right. Turns out that value we saw there is uh, no longer value because he's going to be at 10, and that's uh, probably where... I mean... Ah, that's high. That's high. Are we hoping he drops to 15 to the Broncos now? What a weird is conversation. Is that where we're at? <laughs> it's, uh, if you had said a month ago that we'd be saying that about Josh Jones, I would not have believed you. I wasn't believing the Jedrick Wills at 
15. Now yeah. forget. Are we just all in on Austin Jackson and forget I all these <laughs> other guys because they won't come? What this, What's interesting is what this has meant for the wide receivers and projections like that. Because, for example, McShay, no wide receiver taken in the top 10, three offensive tackles. Becton, Mackay Becton, yep. the other offensive tackle, taken 11th overall. Jerry Judy is the first wide receiver taken. Then you see Justin Herbert going to 13 to the Colts. Uh, Kalevon Chasson going to the Tampa Bay Bucks at 14. And CeeDee Lamb dropping right into the Broncos' laps. I've been saying for a while I see Jerry Judy as kind of that top wide receiver who yep. could drop. Lamb would surprise me a little just because he's so physically overwhelming when he plays. It's hard not to get enamored with his talent when you watch the tape. Um, but, boy, that would be a steal for the Broncos to have a guy like CeeDee Lamb paired with Noah Fant and Cortland Sutton. Could you imagine? Yeah. That's All of a sudden, Cortland Sutton, a year or two years down the road, is your number two receiver. Well, and you can really play bully ball with those guys. Oh, easily. I mean, bully ball. I mean, because what are you doing? If, if if you're a team that has like three pretty solid cornerbacks, uh -huh. you're gonna put put your biggest one on Cortland Sutton. Right. Now you're gonna put your second biggest one on C.D. Lamb. That's gonna be a mismatch. Uh, yeah. That's definitely going to be a mismatch. Yeah, we that'll be trouble out. for you. Uh, because he is just so good. It isn't just the size. He he has the talent. Oh, he, yeah. He has the no, run it's, after it's catch It's the ball ability. skills, yeah, right. It's, it's the yak. Yeah, the guy is just – I mean, when I say bully ball, I mean bully ball. Like, this guy just overwhelms dudes and dunks on them, basically. Yeah. And it's very Cortland Sutton-esque, only I think he's got more speed to his game. I think he's a little more a little more polished coming in than Sutton was. Which so is that's why intriguing. Sutton was a second-round pick. And, right, and, you know, Lamb would be dropping at 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, like a that's guy a crazy who amount of talent at receiver. Crazy. And then, and then behind them, you still have Tim Patrick, which you know, sure, I, sure. I, I kind of like that fit a little bit better. If you're just saying, yeah, we're gonna have big bulky guys, I, I liked that a lot better before Pat Shermer, back when we thought yep. that this was gonna be a run-heavy offense. You want these big receivers who can block. Way back when. Way back when. Wow, those are the days. <laughs> but now. Now I'm not so sure. Like, maybe you do just want more traditional, like, throw Deshaun Hamilton out there, see if he can replicate it. Again, I'm just not thrilled with these options. I think you still need a second receiver. Oh, it I agree completely. And I've seen a lot of chatter of, well, this wide receiver class is so deep, but the tackle class, you either get one of the top guys or you're really screwed and it falls off. Uh, that's coming from people who don't do a draft pod year-round because <laughs> they don't know the kind of depths. Because after these top five, and it is a top five, we're including Josh Jones yep. in it, then what are you looking at? Our boy Austin Jackson, Prince Tega Wanagu, as much talent as anyone, Shadiq Charles, the LSU left tackle, Isaiah Wilson, another late add-on who we didn't see. I haven't even mentioned Lucas Niang from... Uh, TCU or Ben Barch, who I absolutely fell in love with at the Senior Bowl. Trey Adams, these guys. Ezra Cleveland from Boise State, who's not getting enough buzz. There is a ton of talent at tackle where you could totally afford to go wide receiver at 15 and still get a really nice developmental piece with the kind of upside that those top five guys possess. Yeah, well, and, and to me, it's just so weird how this whole conversation has shifted. Remember... Again, just a couple of months ago, we were saying, well, you're not going to be able to get Andrew Thomas. You're not going to oh, be able right. to get Tristan Wirfs. 
I guess that means you're not getting a tackle in the first round. The rest of them are second, third round guys. Right. Now this becomes a conversation. Now you have to decide, do we want a tackle mm -hmm. or do we want a receiver? Do we want to right. take advantage of the, like, sure, there's some depth at tackle, but the depth of receiver, just massive. Right. It, it, right. There, there are more options with this pick now than there were before. It's not just see it's what falls to thing. you. Yeah. And, and we've talked about this with the offensive switch. You're not you're not kind of locked into only the athletic zone blocking tackles. Yep. You're, you can enjoy the entire buffet. And in this McShay mock, who is the tackle that drops? Andrew Thomas. Can you imagine? I mean, I'd be doing summers. He's the one guy I had kind of given up on. Like, no, okay. Yep. Andrew too, Thomas. Totally. Don't. And, you know, in my mock, I had Tristan Wirfs dropping. Now I'm seeing Andrew Thomas dropping in a lot of mocks. Tristan Wirfs has been the guy that's been pushed up a little more. Can't say I'm surprised because we've said all along, what makes him so intriguing is his upside. Yep. And as Mace and I, and I've talked about it on this podcast for years, the further we get from the field, the further we get from games played from the tape, the more we make silly decisions based on measurables and uh, the combine testing and perceived upside rather than mm -hmm. level of play up to this point. <laughs> and that's what you're going to start seeing. And that's where smart teams can really capitalize and say, yep. you know what? I don't need some quarter inch on an arm measurement or uh, a Kai Becton could be great. He has, he's <laughs> right. 375. He's six foot eight, <laughs> right. all those different things. Right. He was good. He wasn't, you know, Andrew Thomas, right? Just give me Andrew Thomas let me know that our left tackle's situation is solved for 12 years, 14 years. Who knows? Maybe Mekhi Becton turns out to be the game-changing all-time tackle that his body would allow him to be. Right. But you're guessing. You're hoping. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. No, I'm with you. And then Andrew Thomas does go at 18 in McShay's mock. Austin Jackson goes 20th. So that's what... Jackson in reverse order. Jackson, Thomas, uh, Wirfs, Jones, Wills. Five tackles. Am I forgetting someone here? Almost feels like there should be six. Either so, way, that's I a mean, crazy it's number. It's a lot of guys in the top 20. Oh, and Beckton. I forgot Beckton. Oh, so yep. six guys in the top 20 picks. That's over a quarter of the picks are offensive tackles. That so how? And look, that happens. It, it kind of sucks because you would like an offensive tackle. But look, there's enough depth where you can manage this. You've got a great coach like Mike Munchak to develop guys. You've got two guys under contract already next year. So you can kind of play with it. Henry Ruggs dropping a 21, something I had in my mock. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Wouldn't be surprised. If all of a sudden a mock like this, Ruggs and Judy get flip-flopped because Ruggs runs a 4-2 and yep. maybe Judy only runs a 4-5, yep. which is exactly what Antonio Brown ran, which is exactly my comp for him. Mm -hmm. But we're going to start overthinking it and be like, oh, well, then uh, blah, blah, blah. The numbers, so yeah. prepare oh. for that. I cannot wait. Mace also, as you subscribers would know, has come out with a pod. We talked about the top Upon? 15 with Mace. It's the second half of his draft I think is intriguing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pardon me if that joke was over my head. Okay. Yeah. Um, or yeah. I just wasn't listening. Yeah, well, you said that Mace came out with a pod. Oh, yeah, yeah that's yeah. incorrect. Uh, I mean, you well, can listen to him on a pod every can. day. But 
Not He's this got CJ Henderson very going very high to 16. Um, as we say goodbye to Brendan Vogt. Bye, Brendan. Uh, Xavier McKinney, the popular pick to the Cowboys at 17. I thought I was being original, but that's like everyone's pick for the Cowboys now. McKinney, like really rising up quickly up boards. Maybe with Jones, one of the biggest risers recently. Uh, he has Patrick Queen as the first interior linebacker taken. Interesting mace went that way. Lots of mockers have. I think Kenneth Murray of Oklahoma presents a lot of nice value, though. I love him on tape. He has LaVisca dropping a 23 to the Patriots. Say it ain't Ugh. so, Mace. Say it ain't so. Our boy Cushenberry at 24. Austin Jackson makes his mock funny um, because, you know, we've been so high on him. That I had him dropping out of the first round in mine. <laughs> um, now everyone's got him in their top 20. You got to love it. He has Josh Uche making it in the first round. Uh, though I swear, when I had that pick, he was like, ah, I see more Zach Bond. What what happened, Mace? <laughs> um, and then Trayvon Diggs, perfect fit for the Niners. I've always liked him as my cornerback, too. And then he has Damon Arnett, last pick to the Chiefs, a cornerback that doesn't get talked about much because he was playing opposite Okuda, but you got to love his talent. That's a – these mock drafts have me wanting the Broncos to trade down more and more. Isn't it wonderful? Information is power, isn't it, Hank? Yes. When you do this year-round and you see your eyes are open to all the options the world has to offer, <laughs> then all of a sudden you say, hey, I can really take advantage of this board. I don't need to be stuck in X or Y or no one else, as yep. so many people on, on Twitter can yep. be with us, where it's like, oh, no, if they don't get that wide receiver, they don't get that tackle, I'm out. No, no, my friend. So there are plenty options. of options. So Move many down, options. play the board, do your thing. If you get two late first-round picks in this draft, that'd be incredible. Dude, it opens things up 23 nicely. and 30. I would, if you could have, they have two top 50 picks now. Mm -hmm. If you could have a third, ooh, how yeah. that opens things up. Yep. Matt Miller came out with a mock, um, kind of scrolling through it live. You know, it's funny. A lot of these top threes, everyone assumes it's the same thing. It's Burrow, Young, Okuda. We'll see if Okuda needs to run well, though, to stay in the top three. For corners, that does matter. He has Jedrick Wills going all the way up to number four. Even though Mace did have Isaiah Simmons, he warned us that he could see tackle going. Mm -hmm. I think he was thinking Andrew Thomas. Now it's Probably. Wills is the hot yeah. guy, um, which is hilarious. Tua going to Miami. No, duh. We Everyone has that basically now. Herbert to the Chargers. So things regulating a little more. What we saw with McShay is Epine guys like Chasson, Epinesa going before the Broncos really opens things up. Yep. And, you know, uh, Kinlaw going ninth overall really opens things up. It does. Up. Derek Brown at seven for Matt Miller as well. Becton. It's his second tackle taken, so it's really different for everyone. Uh, Jags take Isaiah Simmons. Worfs goes 10th to the Browns. Andrew Thomas, finally 11th. So those top four tackles going in the top 11, that's kind of a trend lately. Judy dropping a 12. Again, I had that in my mock, and it was like, ah, I don't see it. Hey, hey, hey. Now we're seeing it. Jordan Love wow. going to the Colts. Then it's Jacob Eason at 14 to the Bucks. That's a scenario Broncos fans need to be rooting for yep. because it opens up options. And again, Matt Miller has C.D. Lamb. C.D. effing Lamb dropping to the Broncos at 15. How much fun would that be? Dude, 
That would be so exciting. Going off of my board of, like, let's just say potential targets for the Broncos. So forget Burrow, forget Tua, forget Derek Brown. C.D. Lamb would be easily the t highest potential guy. I have him fifth on my board. I have him ahead of Jeffrey Okuda. That's how much I think of this stud wide receiver. Getting him would be amazing, Hank. It would be, forget dream scenario. It would be beyond a dream scenario. It'd be incredible. Also, Matt Miller, worth noting, Josh Jones in his top 20. So, And if you need to familiarize yourself with Josh Jones, read some of our Senior Bowl stuff where Mason and I put video... Um, Video evidence, and you know, he's a smaller school prospect because he played at Houston. He wasn't in the Power Five. But what did he do? You watch, you put on his Oklahoma tape, dominant. You put on the yep. Senior Bowl tape, only guy who could handle all those edge rushers in tough settings. So really, he's kind of eased those concerns. He's great in pass protection. He checks off the biggest, most important trait you want. Let's roll with it, man. It's pretty crazy. And again, just like, just. My mind is still stuck on the possibility of trading down at this point. You know, why look, not? Looking at McShay's mock draft, you know, at number 15, you have options. You can take C.D. Lamb. You can take A.J. Epinesa. Uh, Xavier McKinney, a guy that we're starting to like mm -hmm. more and more. Andrew Thomas. Um, yeah. Austin yeah. Jackson, I don't really like him in that caliber of player. Right. I it's still almost think he's like nuts not reach on our boy now. Yep. Uh, Henry Ruggs. Also Dude. in that conversation. Right, 21 in Matt Miller's mock as well. Kind of a, a thing. Like, he's just dropping in mocks. Yeah. There's too many receivers for them to all go in the top 15. Yep. Kenneth so Murray. Even Grant oh, dude, not a guy we're Kenneth Murray with. or Patrick Queen have me really intrigued. Well, yeah. Matt Miller, for example, is Kinlaw dropping to 20. Yeah. That's great value if, if you move if down. This is the situation you're in. There, there are eight guys we'd be happy seeing. Mm -hmm. let's, let's even call it five. Let's say five guys we think are that top-tier players available. Trade down six, seven spots because somebody's going to pull somebody else. Get Why one of them, not? and right. then you get the other pick, move up with the others, open up some opportunities. There's totally There agree. are a lot of good players that seem to be slipping right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally agree. Worth noting the bottom part of the draft for Matt Miller. He's got Marlon Davidson going to the Seahawks at 27, a guy I had in the end of my mock. Kenneth Murray at 28 to the uh, Ravens, which is where Mace had him. I like him so much. Jeff Gladney, this is something I'll talk about in the next segment. One of these cornerbacks like Damon Arnett, like Troy Pride Jr. that I talked about in my mock, watch for him because he could be a first-rounder, even though we don't talk about him enough. Oh. TCU cornerback who Denzel Mims spoke very highly about to me. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he was asked. He, I asked him, you know, who was the best corner you ever went against? And he said, uh, Jeff Gladney. And that was intriguing. That yeah. was very intriguing. Yeah. Uh, also, Matt Miller has a tight end, Cole Komet, going to the Packers at 30. Huh. If the Broncos were to move up at the beginning of round two or even the end of round one, Guys like Cole Komet getting taken is perfect. It is. Because it just gives you another option. That's that, one guy you weren't right. going to take anyway. Right, exactly. He wasn't going to be considered. Yes. And, and you know, I, I had been talking yeah. about why they might want a tight end yeah, a, yeah. a few months ago. But, yes. again, just to recap, it's because uh, Pat Shermer's here. He isn't going to be using the two tight exactly. sets. You don't need all that stuff. Noah Fant is more than enough, especially when you remember. They have two, two more NFL tight ends behind him. If something bad were to happen, it's not 
ideal, right. but, but you have somebody who could at least fill in a little. And I think I think they like Andrew Beck and his versatility yeah. and what he showed last year. The fact he can play both fullback and tight end, valuable. Yep. And you still have Jano. So yep. you can go in those heavier sets. You just don't need that blocking tight end. You put that very well. Cesar Ruiz to the Niners at 31 just to finish off Miller's mock. We haven't talked about him enough, but Michigan center Cesar Ruiz is a stud. He will be in that conversation. He's another guy to keep an eye on for the Broncos. And the Chiefs seems to be the pick where you send your hot take cornerback. Like I had Troy Pride Jr. <laughs> uh, Mace had Damon yep. Arnett. Matt Miller has Jalen Johnson of Utah. Wow. And you wow. know, expect his stock to go back up. We've never forgiven him for getting lit up by Tyler Vaughn's yep. in that USC game, which of course was so big for the Pac-12. There was so much it was. intrigue. It was. Eh. It's okay. These things happen. Once in a while, you have a bad game. He'll he'll start to be in that conversation more. But, you know, Arnett, Pride Jr., um, glad to Is C.J. Henderson still on the board there? No, C.J. Henderson went high. Oh, did he? Okay, Jalen Johnson, Trayvon Diggs. There's some intriguing yeah. corners that could be available in that second round. He's another guy. He got torched in the national championship AJ game. A.J. Terrell, absolutely. But if we're saying you can have a bad game, well, there you go. I think he Do was like the, the best quarterback of all time. pick of Kuiper's draft. So, you know, yeah. we're just doing that where it's like spin the wheel and which <laughs> yeah, cornerback seriously. are you like feeling hot seriously. taky about that day? Um, wow. So, yeah, that's kind of to gauge... Where we're at in the mock draft world, there was an intriguing one from Sports Illustrated that came out on Thursday by Kevin Hansen. He had uh, the Broncos taking Javon Kinlaw, which maybe not the value of attacking offensive tackle or wide receiver mm -hmm. that we'd like. Worth noting that he does have um, Wills. Thomas, Becton, and Wirfs in that order all going in the top 12. Crazy. So there you go. And he does have Judy and Lamb going before the Broncos pick. So if that happened, I would look to trade down. But yeah. I'd also look at guys like Javon Kinlaw or Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen. Defensive picks start to come into play. Maybe a corner, though. I would corners where I'm like, eh, pump the brakes. Yeah. Not quite. And, and again, that's. I'd rather Xavier McKinney than a true corner, frankly. I think so, too. Yeah. I totally agree. I think Trayvon Diggs is really intriguing to me. I yes, think he'd me be too. a lot of fun, but yeah, uh, I, it, it all depends on what they do in free agency. And, yeah. if, and if they go yeah. through, lose Chris Harris, they don't bring in anybody who you think is an NFL player, then you're kind of stuck. And maybe that's yeah. a situation where you do have to just bite the bullet and draft a cornerback. But, right. but, but it's another I'd be deep so class. Surprised it's if like that's tackle and wide receiver. True. Like you have five top 100 picks. I think you can address all these needs with guys that are have good value and you really like. Yep, I think so too. I'm really excited. Anything else you want to hit up on the mock talk? I don't think so. I think that's about it. Well, this is great. Trade down. If, if all this crazy stuff is happening, trade down. Maybe we have to dedicate a whole pod to a trade down strategy. I know I've done that before, yeah. so prepare yourself, Hank. We might have to because uh, – the. Not to get too deep into it now, but but when you have so many picks, do you know when we hear about the compensatory picks? Those should be coming pretty soon. Should right? be very soon, yeah. So so then all of a sudden you have twelve picks yep. likely. That's what's expected. The Broncos weren't great last year. Do they have twelve open roster spots? Eh. After free agency, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you can afford to cut that down to nine, ten picks. Right. You can afford to trade down in the first round, and then all of a sudden you're looking at a bunch of picks in that second, third round range. 
That's the Belichick zone. That's where you want to be. Like last True. year where they got, you know, Locke, Risner, and Draymond Jones all in that day too. Yep. And that's really what fortified that draft. And the year before them. that, Cortland Sutton. Yep. Good point. Yep. Yeah, not bad. No, so. not bad at all. There are options, and that's what should get you excited to tune in every week to this. Hank, thanks for taking the time. Yeah. I'm going to figure out what I do for the next two segments. I'm excited to hear what you come up with. Hey, you guys stay tuned, and you'll find out just like Hank. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, before I take over solo, want to tell you about one of my eh, – it's always fluctuating, but one of my top three Breckenridge Brewery beers, their Colorado Core I, uh, you know, am trying to be funny, which is uh, something I attempt from time to time. I've called it the champagne of beers, which, of course, is not official, but it's got it's got that feel. It's for for people who like a good lager or something a, a little more bubbly, like like some champagne, you'll enjoy this. For someone who likes uh, more of a cider, you'll enjoy this, though it's not your typical cider. It's just that perfect blend and marriage of the two. Uh, it's really just phenomenal. I, to me, what I love about it is it's perfect for any season. It's refreshing in the summer, still is going to hit the spot in the fall and spring. It's actually perfect in those mid-seasons, but it's going to be delightful in the winter curl up, watch some games on, on the weekend, maybe put the fireplace on and uh, put down a few Colorado cores and just have a great day. So yeah, you can't go wrong with Colorado core. Check them out. Check out Breckenridge Brewery and all the great stuff they do. If you're here close by, um, you should check out their campus. I was just there last weekend. Boy, is it unbelievable. Phenomenal food. The, the gear is great. They hooked me up. I would highly suggest you go and check it out. Check out their campus. Check out some of their new beers that we were able to try as well. But definitely drink some Colorado Core because that stuff is delicious. And before we move on, as you guys may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty important. Duh. Our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call at 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. All right. Well, I guess the topics I want to hit before we jump into your questions are really kind of overarching topics that I keep returning to when I look through all those mocks, when I was making my mock, when I finalize, when I'm working on finalizing my rankings, which of course, you know, it's just stacks on stacks because you think you're finalized, then you get into a, you know, you're watching one guy and it's like, oh, this other guy's popping. Let's watch more tape of that guy. And the, it's just a vicious cycle. It continues. But really, I feel like the overarching topic of our mock talks in segment one was really how those top four to five offensive tackles have started to fluctuate and in some ways kind of get flipped on their heads from what the rankings, the consensus rankings for them, at least from a media perspective, were going in to coming out of the season and going into the draft process. And it's been really interesting how Andrew Thomas seems to be dropping in a lot of these rankings while Tristan Wirth seems to be moving up and Jedrick Wills and Mekhi Becton are kind of those wild cards who 
in some spots are sneaking into the top five or top ten. And then you've got Josh Jones, who's the other wild card. Well, why is this happening? We ta- we've talked about this a lot during the season. We've talked about this a lot over the years of doing this draft pod. It really comes down to traits, right? You gotta you gotta remember when you're evaluating prospects, what are the traits they bring? What are the traits that make them special? And I think that's really the bottom line with Wirfs is yes, the tape hasn't always been the most consistent. Yes, you you worry about him playing primarily right tackle. There are some people who think he's gonna be best suited at a guard as a guard where his wide base um, and just natural raw power is going to play so well. Uh, he played, you know, seamlessly um, at right tackle o- over his career in Iowa, a place that's known to develop offensive linemen, and then transitioned so smoothly at left tackle this season when he was needed, when they suffered some injuries at that spot and he needed to fill in. Uh, so. That versatility is going to be really enticing, but really at the end of the day, it's what we've talked about with Wirfs all along. And Wirfs for us, his fl- his stock hasn't fluctuated much for us. We've been high on him, knowing full well he's he's had some deficiencies. And look, you watch the w- Wisconsin game, not always great. You watch the Michigan game, that's where he probably struggled a bit more. You could say the same about Jedrick Wills. And the thing about Wirfs is he's not always consistent. His mechanics can probably be the most inconsistent of this group of five. Uh, Becton can be a little sloppy, but I think Becton might be more consistent. It's just more sloppy because he's so big. Uh, Wirfs, yeah, it's a little sloppy, you know, just feet need to match what his upper body's doing. Once in a while, he'll reach. Um, you know, the hands can be a little inconsistent when he gets to the second level, you'll whiff on, whiff on some blocks, you know, so there's a lot of little things when you watch the tape that you can ding him on. He's far from perfect at this point, but what's so enticing is that versatility, the length, the feet, uh, you know, in pass protection, I think he's the one who profiles to have the highest upside as a potential franchise left tackle as a blind, blindside protector. That is, that's the trait that trumps all traits. That's the trait that's going to make you a lot of money. That's where coaches are going to dream on you, especially when you've got a staff that's got some incredible offensive line coaches, starting with Mike Munchak, and you're going to convince yourself, hey, there's plenty of potential here. We just need to put them in the right hands and hone those skills. And that's why you're seeing Wirfs kind of start to climb up boards. This is something I've talked about for years, and I loved um, doing the pod with Mace the last couple weeks, and it's something he talks about too. The further away we get from the tape, and the more you know, it, it gets into that silly season and do, making wacky decisions. Not so much based off what we're seeing when we watch these guys, but more dreaming on them, and that'll just take off even more once we get into the combine and pro days here. Thomas instead seems to be the guy that's dropping more and I think with Thomas who is still my top tackle because he is the most consistent on tape his power is unreal his balance like when someone gets into in, within his frame they're not trying to go outside or counter with some inside move off his inside shoulder they just try to overpower him with, with like a bull rush he just is so big he engulfs rushers 
and his balance and anchor is outstanding. You try to go into you try to go through Thomas, good luck. It's not happening cuz he's he's just got such natural balance. He anchors so well and in the run game, he is so powerful. He's an absolute stud. Measurements will be important for him just to confirm that he's got that great length. Really the only question with him is does he have that elite kick step outside? To, to mirror those truly elite rushers that you see in the NFL who can just dip their shoulders, you know, and, and get around you that way. And sometimes is he too susceptible to that, to getting beat outside to where he's oversetting and then that opens him up to inside counter moves. So it's those small, the seemingly small questions because he only gets beat very rarely on tape are what is kind of knocking his stock because he's not seen as necessarily an elite pass protector. I am fairly confident that it's stuff you can clean up. I think his feet are more than good enough to play on the left side and be developed into a very strong uh, pass protector. But that's kind of the question that that's you know scouts are raising up and it's why uh, media members are ranking him a little lower now. Um, and Wills is interesting. To me, Wills, there's a bit of a split opinion. There's some people who just think he's a phenom. Uh, set and forget, plug and play, left tackle, even though he hasn't played that position in college, there won't be any issues whatsoever because he's just so clean on tape. He can be so powerful. You know, everyone references the Auburn game where he's He's doing things like knocking Derek Brown off his spot and stuff. And he can be very powerful. Um, he, he wins the award for most violent hips in this draft class. Uh, he will absolutely finish you uh, if he can get his hands on you. Hands can be very good. I think the power at the point of attack is being overrated a little bit. I see him get knocked off his spot too often for my liking for a guy who everyone talks up his power. Now, it's worth mentioning, when people knock him off his spot, then he, he shows great balance, a really strong anchor to then, you know, get, get himself balanced again, re-anchor, and really hold his own. Um, where I have my questions is his lateral mobility, which, of course, comes into play uh, in pass protection. I would have been a lot more concerned if this was still the, you know, Shanahan style zone scheme the Broncos would be implementing, now it'll be a little more of a mix and match, so I'm not as concerned. But you watch that Michigan tape, anytime he's moving laterally, anytime they try to get him out in space, he's getting beat to his spot, often by Josh Uche, who, you know, we talked about it in the first segment and in last week's episode, moving up, uh, moving up for me, one of the big winners in the Senior Bowl, gave Worf's trouble as well. So, you know, the take those mis those performances against Michigan with a grain of salt because those guys are playing a really high-end um, edge rusher in Josh Uche who's really rising up boards for what he's done against those guys. For me, Wills, he's going to have a first-round grade, but it's going to be because, A, I think he could be one of the NFL's best guards. Like, if you told me the plan for him is to be the next Brandon Scherf and you're gambling on him not facing the injuries that Scherf has faced in Washington, where clearly that medical staff is an absolute disaster and it explains why so many of their stars can't stay healthy. I mean, they should really, you know, burn things to the ground and start anew in a lot of ways there. 
I could think he could be an absolutely special plug and play top five guard in the NFL like tomorrow. I think he could be a very high end right tackle. I'm just skeptical about how he'll translate as a left tackle. And that's there's a split there. I think I was reading um, uh, Todd McShay's, uh, not mock draft, but his big board. And he, he had the same concerns saying that, you know, he thought Wills can be elite guard or right tackle. Eh, as a left tackle, not you know, there are more concerns. That's where I'm at too. So just take that with a grain of salt when you're looking through these mocks or you're creating your own mocks and you're putting Wills uh, to the Broncos. Doing that, to me, says you've got more faith in Garrett Bowles than uh, than I do, frankly. And then you have Mekhi Becton. Becton, late riser in the process because he's at a Louisville program that's not great. His size is kind of unicorn size. We don't see a ton of these guys. Uh, Orlando Brown coming out of Oklahoma a couple years ago is one of the few that even fits that mold. Brown was playing right tackle for Oklahoma so slightly different and you know he was getting he was in that late first range at this point in his draft season and then the combine completely killed him it'll be interesting to see how Becton is going to do at the combine because clearly with Brown we found well those combine numbers didn't really matter because I've, I always say this this is another of my rules you can't have you can't be lacking both speed and size but if you have one of those two elements, that will take you a long way and can allow you to make up for your speed or size deficiency. You can't lack both. Uh, and Becton certainly has the size, and he, he moves really well on tape for a guy his size. He moves well in space. He's an absolute mauler in the run game, though I think uh, clearly he plays two up high, but you know he can just push guys off because his upper body is that strong. Um, and his feet are good enough. He looks sloppy, but his feet are good enough, and that length is so overwhelming. He can really do the job in pass protection. He's not for everyone, and he's not, he's, you know, the. sometimes when I evaluate offensive linemen, there's uh, style points almost come into play where it's like, do you look sloppy? Do you look balanced? Uh, he can look really sloppy, and then he can make some eye-popping plays where it's like, wow, for this size, this guy's unbelievable the way he moves. Got a bit of a nasty streak, too. Um, so, you know, he's really going to be he's gonna be a top 15 pick, but you got to have a plan for him. You need to know he's, he's a unique offensive tackle because he is just so massive. And then Josh Jones, hey, he's rising up because of the senior bowl performance. Um We've talked about the small school stuff and how him checking off some important boxes both in Mobile and early in the season when he played Oklahoma uh, is really going to play up. He he showed he doesn't have elite length, but good enough length. Um, I think he has versatility, though we haven't seen that a ton on tape because at Houston he basically played left tackle his entire career. But again, it gets back to traits. The most important trait is being great in pass protection and that is where Jones is really elevating his stock because that's the most important trait in the modern NFL is being able to keep your quarterback clean. I don't have to tell Broncos fans much about that. I think that's pretty pretty understandable why that would be so important. Um, and that's why Jones, like Wirfs, is rising up. And that's why a guy like Thomas is dropping a bit more. Um, to finish this up, I was going to talk cornerbacks, but we've got some good questions, so I'm going to save that. 
I got a rare question on Twitter. I didn't get to it. If you guys want to guarantee I answer your questions, just holler at us, subscribe, and uh, comment on the the pod post. We'll always get to that. If that's if you're not a subscriber, I highly suggest you do. Um, but once in a while, I'll get a good enough question on Twitter where even though it's not from a subscriber in a comment section, I will address it. This is from Brennan. Uh, his handle's Brennan which, with a bunch of numbers. But he asks, what about DeAndre Swift to the Broncos? He could match the running backs that Pat Shermer might be looking for. Yes, a good enough receiver. I've been very high. I think people listening to us all the way back earlier in the season will remember I was comparing Swift to LaDainian Tomlinson, uh, one of my favorite running backs of all time. I think that's the kind of rare upside he has. I'm really... Um, I find myself grading running backs harsher and harsher, and really if you don't have the ability to to catch the ball, you're not going to get a first-round grade for me because I really don't think you're you're worth signing to a second contract after your rook, rookie deal is up. Swift is that rare prospect. So from a value standpoint, at 15, he would fall right within the range of where I think it'd be appropriate to select him. thing is, I don't think this team is at a point where they can afford to go running back. Um, In round one, you know, there's too many things you need to address on the O-line and at wide receiver to make this offense work. A running back like Swift, we saw it with the Pat Shermer's Giants. Having a guy like Saquon Barkley isn't going to do much when your O-line's struggling and you're struggling for answers at wide receiver, which they were once Odell Beckham Jr., Left, so that's a an intriguing low low key name to keep in mind. I think if you drop to the second round, you definitely start to consider that a lot harder. But you know, it's a pretty stacked running back class, so you'll you'll have options later on in this draft to where you don't need to take Swift too high. I think of maybe Cam Akers from Florida State and how well he could fit. Keishon Vaughn. I saw some real speedsters. Um, at the Senior Bowl, Darius Anderson from TCU, uh, Jemai- or Joshua Kelly would fit really well from UCLA. Jamichael Hasty was the other one. Joshua Kelly could be an all-around back, though, and really fit that mold. Um, so keep an eye on him. So that's it for that second segment. Um, we will be right back, and then we're going to handle all your questions. You guys had a decent amount for me this week, so... We're going to get to those real quick. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, it's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward and anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, they've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect, just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. And we're back after that message from our guys at Blake Street Tavern. Quick reminder, 
thedmvr.com. Things are popping off on our site right now. Amazing video content. Uh, there's just some, some great Broncos, Buffs, Rams content. We just closed out the recruiting cycle. Um, it's just, we say this all the time, but it's because we're always improving and always growing. It always rings true. There's never been a better time to subscribe to thedmvr.com. The things we have in store for this Broncos off season, I just can't wait to unveil for you. I can tell you, as we always have, we will have film rooms for every major acquisition and addition the Broncos make this offseason through free agency or the draft as we have had for several years now you do not want to miss on that and uh, you know you get a free t-shirt when you subscribe and you support us and our growing staff and all the great new projects we take on so do that please we would much appreciate it if you enjoy this pod you will absolutely love getting on the site as a subscriber, being able to, you know, comment on the podcast, read, and follow along on all the great content we have. Also, Nugs and Avs, like, they're both having unbelievable seasons and getting ready for some outstanding playoff runs, so you might want to jump on that as well. Okay, let's jump into your questions. We've got a few, so we're going to get this done. Naderade asks, hey guys, how does KJ Hill compare to Deshaun Hamilton? Both seem pretty similar as slot technicians, and Hill would be redundant with Hamilton on the roster. Um, I never quite bought the Hamilton being this like clinical type of route runner. I think Hill is a little better. Hill also is quicker and shows more ability to get vertical to me. not he, He's not a burner, not a true speed threat, but more so than Hamilton, who's really settled into mostly just getting open um, underneath, you know, beyond 10 to 15 yards. He's not going to do much for you. Hill at least has that quickness to wiggle open, uh, deliver some double moves. I think he's a more dynamic athlete. I think he's got more dynamic hands. Um, and I think he's a more advanced runner coming out of the Big Ten at this stage in their careers than Hamilton was at the time. I'm also admittedly not a huge believer in Deshaun Hamilton. Just didn't see much to like at Penn State. Um, and haven't seen much from him as a Bronco either. The guy who really reminds me of Deshaun Hamilton is Van Jefferson, though he's a, you know, his dad was a former wide receiver and a wide receivers coach. So he's a true route technician. I think he's a better route runner as well. But that's the guy I think compares a little more favorable. But yeah, I think that's something to be aware of. You know, you're looking for slot production. You're looking for good route runners, but you don't want to overdo it with too many guys that are going to be redundant with Deshaun Hamilton and still feel like, eh, you're lacking a true number one, you're lacking a true vertical threat, and not making really any quality additions. It's, again, hunting those traits that you really need versus the traits that, eh, maybe aren't really going to make a huge difference for you. P3-4-A-N-U-7 asks... User, he says, username is pronounced Peanut. I was wondering if you guys could compare Hamler, Rhaegar, and Ayuk. So KJ Hamler from Penn State, Jalen Rhaegar from TCU, 
and Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. They all seem to be closely ranked in mocks. Who would you prefer and why? Who would fit the Broncos best? KJ Hamler is a classic, classic, quick uh, slot guy. He's the kind of guy you'll give jet sweeps to. He's the kind of guy you'll you'll put in motion pre-snap. Um, can be can impact the game as a returner. He's undersized. Um, you'll hit him on screens and stuff. You want to make sure he's not Tavon Austin, and he's more Percy Harvin. In that Tavon Austin was kind of this gimmicky gadget player at West Virginia. He goes in the top 15 because he tests really well in a weak draft class. But he just, he never got open. You needed to like spoon feed him plays or he just wasn't getting open. I think Hamler has a little more vertical ability or ability to just shake guys open instead of being spoon fed um, lateral throws that then he can create off of yak. But that's the concern with him. Not physically imposing. You worry about his impact on contested balls and stuff like that. You'd want an accurate quarterback for him, not like a Josh Allen who um, needs a little more size in his receivers because that's going to give him a better margin for error. Jalen Ragar, really outstanding. Um, he came off a spectacular season at TCU as a sophomore and had big expectations. He was ranked, you know, like neck and neck for Hen with Henry Ruggs coming into the season. Um, TCU's passing offense just was underwhelming, so his production hurt him, and he was at times inconsistent um, last season. So that's going to be your concern, but he's got the speed. He's bigger and more physical than Hamler, and even though he's a smaller guy, um, you see the vertical leap, his ability to leap, and go up and grab contested catches is pretty impressive. He's easily the highest ranked of these three guys for me. Ayuk is kind of a one-year wonder. He's a Juco guy, comes to Arizona State, um, and is overshadowed completely by uh, Nikhil Harry a year ago. Then when Harry goes to the NFL and doesn't do much with the Patriots this season, he blew up. I worry that he's a little Dante Pettis-y, in that he's an outstanding athlete, great game-breaking speed, um, and he's also bigger than any of these three guys. So the yak ability is pretty impressive. What happens with him is you really see that speed with the ball in his hand. So he's a great returner. He's great, you know, on screens and stuff like that, though I don't... He's not like a super creative runner, not great shake when he first needs to make a guy miss and he's raw as a route runner so that speed doesn't really show up when he needs to create separation um, in the passing game or it doesn't show up as consistently as you'd like so that's kind of where you're at to me Rhaegar um, the the vertical threat he presents the fact that he's got more uh, contested catchability uh, makes him the most intriguing of those three I really like Hamler if you could get him in the mid-second. Ayuk, I'm a bit of a... I'm a bit of a buyer beware on right now, especially after talking to some people at the Senior Bowl. We interviewed him at the Senior Bowl, um, but he wasn't able to practice during the week. He was dealing with an injury. So there's that.
Now from Count Locula, who is the one player you think Denver would consider trading up a few spots in the first round to get? Love the Count. Well, I think it'd be one of those four to five offensive tackles. Um, that would definitely be one. Or one of the top two wide receivers, so C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy. Those are the two guys I could see them moving up for. Um, that's that's what would really make sense. I'm trying to think of other top prospects who could drop that maybe I'm not even considering. Mm. Like Simmons, I don't know. I, I have a hard time reading Simmons because as I talked about with Mace during Senior Bowl week, I feel like um, Vic Fangio's tough to read on Ruddy, what he really requires out of his interior linebackers and how high his standards are. Yeah, outside of outside of those guys, I don't think there's... Uh, me, personally, I would trade up a few spots for Derrick Brown. I think that's a big enough need, and he's a rare enough talent that you would move up for him if, say, pick 11 is done and he's still available. Um, though, pick 12 as the Raiders. Where, would they be uh, interested? Who knows? The Big Tabowski, who we know is locked in, says, Definitely Thomas, Judy, Simmons. Eh, disagree on Simmons. I'm on the fence, I guess. Young. Yeah, I mean, I just don't see them moving up to get Chase Young. Okuda, look, I don't think... So he also says Brown and Okuda. Okuda, mm, I mean, he's great. I love Okuda as much as the next guy. I don't think this system requires an elite lockdown cornerback like that. So I don't think it's the greatest... Um, allotment of resources to take a guy like Okuda in this zone-heavy defensive system that high because you're it, that tr that elite trait that's the big seller for him isn't going to be a huge seller for you. He also says, Worfs maybe Rugs Lamb Kinlaw maybe. No, I think Rugs and Kinlaw. You just wait for the the board um to fall your way. So. There you go, but love that Big Tabowski had some input on that. Um, Stebert92 asks, I've been doing my own mock drafts, trying to draft like the Broncos have been trending. I'm curious your thoughts on how Shaquille Quarterman, Miami linebacker, Antoine Brooks Jr., Maryland safety, and Lakey Fotu would fit into the Fanjo defense. Quarterman I'm just off of. I think he's too slow. Um a team that already has Josie Jewell and Todd Davis, I don't think needs Shaquille Quarterman. Um, and fit, I think he's kind of an awkward fit like those guys were because he doesn't have great range and coverage. Brooks, I like. Um, did some decent stuff, though he's a safety. You, you see what happens with Will Parks. I don't see a lot of hybrid ability with him, so... Maybe I'm wrong, though. I, I need to dig in a little further. I like his physicality, um, so he'd fit in that sense, uh, though he'd only be a backup. Lakey Fultu, I think, would fit really well. Um, I wonder, in a three-man front, is he more of a natural zero-to-one technique as that nose guard? Could he play some five technique? I think he could. Uh, he's got the length. He shows some pass-rushing flashes. Though he's really more of a gap stuffer. Um, but his motor's really high, uh, high character guy, great size. I mean, 
he was one of those two or three guys like Javon Kinlaw who looked like a man among boys um, in Mobile because his size just stands out so much. So Fotu, I think, is easily the best fit because that's also a need. Um, and at worst, you know, maybe he's not Draymond Jones with that high-end pass rushing upside, but he's a guy who can give you, you know, can right from year one can be featured as a rotational piece and at least stand out as a run defender and from time to time do a little something in um, rushing the passer because uh, none of the attention will be directed to him. Dan Burke asks, hey, Dre, Henry, Mace, if you're on as well. We wanted to have Mace. Uh, and then the Pat Shermer press conference threw everything off. So, But I look forward to having him and the other Broncos guys on a lot further, a lot more the rest of the season. Just thinking about some receivers that Shermer's had in his various stops. Are there any prospects in this class that compare in any way to Stefan Diggs, Golden Tate, Odell Beckham Jr., Sterling Shepard? Thanks. Um... Yeah, and you could add to that list, you know, this is a guy who's had Deshaun Jackson in his time overlapping with Andy Reid in Philadelphia. Um, so he's, you know, that's the thing. I, that's why I've, we were already off of bigger wide receivers. Now even more so because typically he wants more of those speed route runners. I think KJ Hill compares to a Diggs coming out, though, or even a Golden Tate. Though Diggs uh, has more speed. Odo Beckham Jr., I mean, he's a freak. I don't think anyone really compares. There Earlier in the season, there were some Judy Beckham comparisons. Eh, Judy's hands are too inconsistent for me to feel good about that comparison. Um, you know, Hamler, Hamler could work as a Sterling Shepard type of guy. Um, who else in this class kind of fits the mold of those guys? Tyler Johnson fits. I think KJ Hill fits. I think Rhaegar fits. Kind of that Deshaun Jackson type mold. Henry Ruggs would also fit. Uh, Van Jefferson fits to some extent. You should add Adam Thielen to this list. Kind of, you know, who's who's the next Adam Thielen? There aren't a ton of guys. Maybe keep a name on Tyler Vaughn's from USC, who I think fits this similar profile and really gave, you know, one of the top cornerbacks in this class, Jalen Johnson from Utah, some big-time trouble. So there's a few names to keep in mind. Um, any of the top guys, though, should should work in this system because aside from... Really, outside of maybe, like, Michael Pittman, who I still think will test pretty well... I think C.D. Lamb, I think Chenault, I think Higgins, Mims, all those guys, even Justin Jefferson, are fast enough and good enough route runners. You know, Jefferson, good enough route runner. Higgins, Chenault, good enough speed, Mims, uh, to make it work in this system with a little development. They'll have to be developed. They won't be ready-made contributors day one, but they'll be developed, and uh, they could definitely contribute. Jimmy Balls asks, Hey guys, I've been a long-time listener but wanted to show my love and support by hopping in the comments. Thanks so much, Jimmy. Really appreciate it. Which position do you think the Broncos are better waiting for in the draft? There seems to be great value for safeties and interior offensive line on day three. Interesting. Um, I would tend to say there's better value for like cornerback and wide receiver, but it's interesting that's what you're finding from doing these these mocks. I mean, that's what I love. 
uh, we can kind of crowdsource this now that you guys are such great contributors. But I wanted to see what you guys thought. I also wanted to share my favorite TDN mock with you. Let me know what you think and keep killing the draft coverage. Ah, what positions are the Broncos better waiting for? Running back, always a great position to wait for. I like the depth at offensive tackle, though I think that's more like day two depth. It's not great. It, you know, those guys are at such a premium, they'll get, they'll get taken up uh, pretty quickly. I guess I see it. I see the interior O-line depth um, come day three. Because you have some of the converted tackles like Hakeem Adonage from Kansas, um, Natanae Muti of Fresno State, who I haven't talked about nearly enough. He played left tackle for Fresno. He was outstanding if the medical's clear. Uh, the two Oregon guys, Calvin Throckmorton and Shane Lemieux, Nick Harris, the Washington Center, uh, the Michigan guys all kind of fit in that range. Damian Lewis from LSU would fit. Daryl Williams, Jake Hansen from Oregon. Um, you know, some of the centers I didn't love but would be good values in day three. Um, in Mobile, like John Simpson of Clemson would be there. I think, no, yeah, cornerback is where there's good value, and as you said, safety. I think there's decent, not great value um, at safety in day three. And then in his mock, he got Werfs round one, Ayuk round two, traded up to get Bryce Hall in round two. Then in the third got K.J. Hill and Lakey Fotu. In the fourth got Akeem Davis-Gathers. In the sixth got Jeremy Chin. And in the seventh got Jake Hansen. Wow, that's a nice haul. Um, don't love Ayuk, just personal preference, but I think you'd be hard-pressed to argue with that value. And I like the Ayuk pick a lot better because you complement it with K.J. Hill. So now you've got your slot. You've got a returner and vertical threat to complement Sutton. You've got that versatile plug-and-play offensive lineman in Werfs, who I believe in his upside going forward in 2021 to play either tackle spot. Bryce, Hill's a, Bryce Hall is a great fit because he's that versatile, more physical cornerback. Only question is, uh, can he turn and run in man? Well, in this scheme, those questions are eased. Like Ufotu, love that you can add that depth in the draft, even if they get a big name in free agency, someone like Fotu would be really nice to add to the rotation. Davis Gathers is going to contribute immediately on special teams and has that athletic profile as a rangy cover linebacker. And Jake Hansen, to me, is great value in the seventh round. Um, so, yeah, great, great draft. Thank you, Jimmy, for reaching out. Bronco in San Francisco, our second-to-last question, asks... How would you rank the O-line prospects? I've been seeing Andrew Thomas drop lately when for a while we s he seemed like number one. How far down the list of offensive tackles would you go before you switch to wide receivers? The Big Tabowski responded, I don't understand how Thomas keeps dropping. Well, you guys will love my second segment. For me, he is hands down the best O-lineman in this class. Now, this goes back to the second segment. Yes, on tape, he's the best, most consistent offensive lineman. But he doesn't necessarily have those desirable elite traits, and that's what's knocking him a little bit. O-line um, would love for him to drop to us at 15. Gives Elway a proper headache then. Uh, yeah, it'd be great to see him drop. You couldn't go wrong with... <sighs> Man, I say that, but... 
At the same time, Wills, I'm a little buyer beware if you want to plug and play him at left tackle. And Becton, uh, he, he feels a little boomer busty to me just because he's he's sloppy and, you know, you're going to, that frame is only going to tighten up so much. I mean, at a certain point, he's going to be 6'7, 350. You're not going to narrow that down too much. That's the guy he needs to be. And can he have that elite? Uh, knee bend like what happens when he faces a Josh Uche when he faces a really slippery outside rusher who can just dip the edge I guess that length will come into play um look I'm I don't see this the way some do where it's offensive tackle or bust until the top four are gone and then you go wide receiver I play my board I'm going off of you know who has elite traits who I think could be a special player at their respective positions. And when I'm ranking wide receivers and offensive tackles, the top prospect of those two positions for me is CeeDee Lamb because he's just going to, he's just special. Uh, he's going to overwhelm you with his combination of physicality, hands, ability to make acrobatic catches, speed, yak ability. Uh, he's just going to overpower you. He's going to be a phenom in my mind. Then it's Jerry Judy. Then it's Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills, Henry Ruggs, Mekhi Becton, and after that, Josh Jones. And again, Wills rank that high because I see, I like, I like how he projects as a guard or even right tackle. If you're looking for a left tackle, that changes the equation. He'd be um, ranked below Becton in that area. So that kind of gives you an idea of how I see things. Of course, I'm far from locked in. There's still, I, w I still want to finalize my evaluations, see how these combine numbers change some things and what have you. I'm trying to be a little more uh, patient, let the data come in, uh, have a bit more of a holistic view instead of locking in my evaluations earlier and then as, uh, you know, other information starts to come in, kind of digging my heels in and being like, no, no, I was I was right when I said this back in November. I, I don't know. I, I think it's better to have an open mind and uh, approach this a little more holistically. So that's why my approach has changed and why you've seen uh, my rankings be delayed a little more and maybe a, a little more mo open-minded in my approach than I have in years past. To close this out, ooh, ooh, Benny Lava, or oh, Benny Lava. I, I always forget. Ryan made fun of me when we did that pod together a couple months ago. He asked, yo, boys, who are some late-round corner options that could fit well for the Broncos' zone scheme? I've been seeing Bassey from Wake Forest or Stanford Samuels, the third from FSU, being connected to the Broncos. Anyone else? Ask because I'm not super down with corner early in the draft. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you there. I don't think this scheme needs it. I think beyond just looking at pure corners, have a broader view. Look at those versatile defensive backs because what we've seen from Fanjo so far is since he's become the head coach, the cornerbacks they've added are Bryce Callahan can play both slot and outside, though mostly slot. Kareem Jackson, slot corner, uh, strong nickel, can play safety, can play outside corner. Very versatile. They held on to Chris Harris Jr., didn't trade him. Then they added um, 
Devontae Harris from, from the Bengals kind of fits that mold of both. Bosby's the only true outside corner they've added since Fanjo's been on the team or been the coach. And that makes me think they like those versatile guys. I think of, you know, when they were in San Francisco, who they drafted was Jimmy Ward, kind of seen as a nickel cornerback. And he ended up being a very, very, very important piece to that that defense for the Niners. So that's really who I'm looking at. So Bryce Hall definitely falls into that category for me. Sean Wade of Ohio State really falls into that category. Wade can play inside to outside. You can mix it up. And you're also looking for physical corners, right? Uh, they could be undersized like Callahan or, or Kareem Jackson, but they need to be physical. Darnay Holmes from UCLA. Didn't have the greatest season, but he fits that physicality um, profile that you're looking for. Dane Jackson of Pittsburgh was very impressed by him at the Senior Bowl. Just sticky, feisty, uh, really an intriguing player. Michael Ojemudia of Iowa, who is that hybrid safety slot kind of guy. I really like him for the Broncos scheme. Um, then go into the safeties. Xavier McKinney is one of those low-key prospects to look at at 15. Julian Blackman of Utah, who's, again, kind of that hybrid uh, slot safety kind of guy. Kayvon Wallace of Clemson, despite being very disappointed with him at the Senior Bowl, though it's just not his approach because he's not going to be a natural cover guy who's going to look good in one-on-ones. He's a guy you put closer to the line of scrimmage, can cover some, can come downhill, you can trust him against the run, you know, can play in zone and close that gap quickly, read and react, then he fits. Um, so those are a few names. I'm going to keep digging further into those DBs, but that's who I keep thinking about more than just, oh, who are the zone cornerbacks? Who are those hybrid defenders? Who have that physicality element? Who allow, who will give Fanjo another chess piece, especially if, say, Will Parks were to leave, where defenses don't quite know, wait, is that guy going to be the the slot guy? Is he going to be the safety? Or can they move, you know, having all these moving pieces around, all these hybrid pieces uh, could really pay dividends for this offense. Defense, rather, in matching up with some of the great offenses in this division. With that, we are done for the day. I appreciate you guys listening in, submitting all your questions. Hank for popping on despite a busy day. Uh, sorry for the wait on this, but we will have two draft pods for you this week. So one at the beginning of the week and one at the tail end. So what a what a great week for you, our draft nerds. Thank you, as always, for your participation and for listening. Have a great week, guys. We'll be back soon.